Welcome to Healing with Worth, a podcast dedicated to healthy recovery and instilling hope in the wake of betrayal trauma. We are women who have experienced this intimately and want to offer hope to other women. While we may interview professionals on the show, the content should not be taken as therapeutic advice and is not meant to replace therapeutic healing. If you would like to join one of our free online worth groups to help with your betrayal trauma, you may find us at healingwithworth.org. Welcome to Healing with Worth. We're your hosts, Naomi and Janine, and we're so glad that you've joined us today. We have got Emily Sanchez coming back on the podcast this week to talk to us about divorce specifically. And you may not be at a place where you're ready to make that decision. We talked with Emily last week about developing our higher self, and we know how difficult this is when you are in trauma. In fact, I think it's virtually impossible to develop your higher self when you are in the throes of trauma. There's a lot that you need to work through before you can get to this place. But there are lots of gold nuggets in Emily's podcast that we did last week with her. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, I would really encourage you to go back and do it. Last week, we talked about some of the conflict around developing our higher self, some of the obstacles of doing that. We talked about what it was and what that looked like. Emily is very passionate about helping women understand that and create that for themselves. We really appreciated her coming on the podcast last week to help us recognize how we could foster and develop those attributes of our core self. We also talked about the social conditioning around being able to do this as a woman, as we're so programmed to make sure that everyone else is taken care of first. So she helped us frame things in a different way so that we could move into a space to be able to create this for ourselves. This week, however, we have her on the podcast to talk specifically about divorce. She is an LDS divorce coach, and she has experienced divorce herself. But she's very passionate about these two things. There was not a program like Worth, as she said in her in the last podcast that we did with her, to help her navigate this road. And there's a lot of stigma around it. So as, as our audience is so vast and in different stages of healing, we wanted to give space for this particular topic because we've been receiving feedback from some of our listeners that they want some more episodes around how to navigate divorce. So if you are new to the podcast, welcome, but another episode might be more helpful to you. So just a little bit of warning there for you all. We're going to get right into our conversation with Emily about divorce and thank her again for joining us. Welcome again, Emily. So let's talk about divorce. Okay. So somebody is standing at the door of divorce. And they're trying to figure out life beyond what they have known and, and how to take steps forward and move into that. What, what does that look like? How does she navigate that with this understanding of the new self? How does she get comfortable with being a single person? (laughs) I have a lot to say about it. (laughs) I have a lot to say. So let's see if I can move through this in a order that makes sense. 
I think first it hurts really badly because it is a spiritual belief that happiness is attained when you are married in the temple. We know and we build meaning off of eternal life, the highest degree of the celestial kingdom. You have to be married in the temple. And somewhere along the way, a mixed message came to us that we get one chance or something. Mm-hmm. Or that, oh, brethren, you can't be single. You only get one chance. You, you may have heard that message. Or like, gosh, was this my only chance? Will I get another chance? Mm-hmm. Right? And so we get nervous about finding another spouse. Yeah. It's so ingrained in in us that we even believe ultimate happiness when we are priests and priestesses and kings and queens, and we have the fullness of joy at the highest degree of the celestial kingdom, that that is our ultimate picture in our mind. And anything less is just not going to cut it for us. And so we look at the ideal and we somehow, I don't know how we do this in our thinking, but we take that down and we squeeze it down into this earthly life and we make it mean that in order for me to be happy, I have to join in marriage, in a righteous marriage here. So we look at singledom as a punishment or a not good enough or the other automatically. We are now the other. And I am sorry to inform everyone, but that's just not true. It's just not true. God said after the creation of Eve that everything was very good. (laughs) After he had deemed everything that he saw the light to be good, you know, it was good. You know, you go through Genesis and it was only after Eve was created that things were very good. That we are whole as we are. And that we can have a fullness of joy. We can have that here. Now, even without a spouse, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying it. (laughs) But even without. And I think to understand something that I didn't quite understand when I was going through it helps people to know that the sealing covenant, the ordinance of sealing in itself, is actually an individual ordinance. It is Yes, the sealing to spouse is joint effort and that that can be terminated. We know that. But all the blessings, all the promises are given to you according to your faithfulness. It's just like baptism. It makes no sense to say to someone that was baptized, you no longer have the blessings of baptism because whoever related to you made these choices. Okay, no, it is your individual faithfulness. And there's countless, countless quotes from the brethren that I could point you to. There's scriptures in the Doctrine and Covenants 132 that talk about how we will be given a spouse. If we are faithful, we're going forward, and that is our desire to keep moving. Oh gosh, how many years? We've got a millennium, that's a thousand. We got all these things before. <laughs> All of this, and our mind is not God's mind. I mean, there's so much, you guys. We just have no idea the God that we are dealing with, his generosity, his love, his mercy, his understanding. We just don't understand it. 
Yeah. And we try to make we try to make it mean all these things about this earth life and how we can be happy. So that's where I start. I know that was long-winded, but that's that's where I start. It seems to be more evident to me with yes. the changes in the temple that that's that's becoming clear, I think to women that this is an individual. Yes. Individual covenants with God. President Nelson himself mm-hmm. was like, these changes are so that you understand his commandments. He is the one who wants us to understand what we're doing in the temple. And that's why changes have been made throughout time, throughout the time that the church has been on the earth. And it will continue to to change so that we have a clearer understanding of what promises we're making and what power we get from those promises. Yes, there's there's changes happening, like you're saying, social, cultural type things. In the church of a uh, couple of decades ago, the young men's lessons versus the young women's lessons. There was a young men's lesson that talked about how to choose a spouse. And there was a corresponding lesson for the young women about kind of how to be chosen. I'm in the young women's and we had the celestial marriage lesson topic on Sunday. And you guys, I was so inspired by my little 12 year olds. They were so smart. They knew so much more and had a bigger grasp of the love of God and how these covenants worked. It it was refreshing. So good news. The culture is changing. And I did want to say, when you're faced with this and you're about to go into the single person in the church, and yes, there still is the cultural feeling of family first. And if you are not that way, you feel a little uncomfortable sitting in sacrament meeting, or you feel uncomfortable being at the Relief Society activity or or whatever. But, But I say good. And the reason I say good that you feel uncomfortable or you feel like an outcast is that is who Christ taught. That is where he was. That is where he was present. That is where his ministry is. You are included in that. This is for you. And that is when you will feel Christ closest in your life. I honestly, and that sounds kind of terrible to say, but I do not feel as close to Christ as I did when I was going through more crisis in my life. Yeah. I I can second that. (laughs) And I'm not divorced, but I am separated, fully separated. It's basically like divorce. And, and I've had those occasions as well, sitting at church alone and, and it's hard and Mm. it's also good at the same time. I think both can exist. And I think sometimes we get caught up in one or the other. I think it can be hard Mm -hmm. at the same time as it can be good. Yes. Which makes it more meaningful. Yeah. I've also noticed that people in what I was saying a little bit before about, you know, the happily ever after first degree of the celestial kingdom and kind of transporting that into, well, I'm not that. And so I can't be happy or somehow they translate that into, I can't be in this church. Many decide, oh, I just can't be in this church. And so what I say to them is, yes, you can. You still can on your terms and that that is okay and that you can believe. Again, what did you have to forget? Mm -hmm. There's so many things that you believe that you're forgetting. 
in order to leave the church, especially in like a crisis situation. And so I just invite everyone come as you are and be true to what you think. Wow. Even verbalize it. Can you imagine? But more and more are doing it. And it is the place where Christ is, where you feel like the outcast. Yeah. I love that. So what would be the next thing that you would encourage somebody standing at the door of divorce? First, we want to, we want to shift out of that highest. What are we forgetting to believe that that's our only potential? You're forgetting to believe you have abilities. You're forgetting to believe that you can be happy without being tied to someone. And so I go into, tell me your happiest moment before you're married. Tell me what you look forward to. Tell me, I I mean, there's so many things. Tell me about your resiliency. Explain how you overcame something in your past. Reminding them. People have to forget their ability. They have to forget their great characteristics. They, They have to forget all these things to realize, oh, I can be happy. In fact, I can be a lot happier. (laughs) And so I go into, sorry, it's true. It is. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. But when you're, when you're so stuck in the box, it's hard to get out because I didn't believe this either. And then I got out and I had such a fun time dating that it can be fun. You know, you hear all the stories of how it's a nightmare and this and that. Okay. Live in that frame if you want to live there, or you can live in the fun, fun one. Do you see what I mean? There's just so many things. So there's a practical side of it where we go through and we're like, okay, what do you want to do for work? This could be super fun. Or you can decide to focus on the bad. You decide. Better questions will give you better answers. So how can you make this fun? How can you make this worthwhile? What can you do? So you have to tap into their ability and make them prove it to themselves because they're so out of practice of even, like we said at the beginning, the smallest desire, verbalizing it and have it come to pass. And then it just builds your confidence and builds and builds and builds. And then you realize, oh my gosh, this is really fun. Oh, I can go back to school. I can like do something totally different. Yes. People just don't even believe in these things. And the whole finding someone else, like don't even worry about that yet. That seems to be an anxiety of us LDS people that we're just so worried about who we're going to find or if if we're going to find someone. As soon as that goes away, that's, that's when that can get figured out. So should the emphasis be more on who do I, who do I want to become and how do I want to live my life rather than on finding somebody? Yes. And I've even heard somebody was like, well, I want to be an astrophysicist. I was like, really? Okay. Right. You know what I mean? But they were kind of kidding. And I said, no, don't kid. You know why? Because you think you'd have to fake it to make it there. But this is actually a real desire. Like anything you want, bring it out. Just say it. Anything you want is actually from you. It is you, even though it feels so far away or distant or Maybe it seems like a fake thing that you'd want, but you just start practicing and then, and then you can narrow it down into what you're willing to do to get there. But I say that because I, 
your desires as far-fetched as they may seem are from you. And then just figuring out how to get there. That's the easy part. Yeah. So a thought that's come when we're looking at these desires, how does one, because again, this kind of ingrained teaching when we talk about natural man versus our spiritual side, right? So if somebody is concerned about only going after the, the natural man desires, yes. how would you navigate telling the difference between maybe uh, a selfish desire, a natural man desire, or and a spiritual desire? Or do you have to reframe that as well? I really love your question because I think that takes some soul searching. I think that takes some self-discovery. How do we know? We actually have to experience it. Go ahead and pursue a vain or, or very natural desire and see how you feel after. We all know the Holy Ghost is confirmed in our minds and our hearts. There's a head component of that, the logical, the sensical. And then there's the heart, that spirit, that comfort and warmth and kind of going with the gut side. And so I say, you know, as you're kind of learning to feel that and trust that again, you have to experience it. Go ahead, see what happens. And, and sometimes what we deem as such a natural man thing really was not a big deal. Yeah, it helped. It helped. It might have made me a little bit happy. Cool. At least you're realizing and discovering how to actually make a desire come to pass. Yeah. And so I don't worry too much about that at the beginning. Okay. Because experience will get you there. Yeah, because you're right. It's like, are these ski classes, like going back to the uh, original <laughs> example, is that just kind of feeding my ego? Like, why am I doing it? Do I want people to think I'm awesome at skiing? If it's not, that's fine. Maybe it's not a natural man desire or a super spiritual desire. Yeah, it's just a desire. It's just and something it's fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. A lot's coming up for me. I'm not even sure where to go with this. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> Is there another step? I think one one of the things that I do talk a lot about is feeling like we don't have a choice. It can feel very unnerving. It feels like you have no control. You even yeah. say, you even say, I didn't choose this. I remember saying that. Yeah. I didn't choose this. Why is this given to me? I don't want this. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, because we don't choose, we choose not to choose. We're kind of in limbo and we are stuck. We're in like this purgatory and it's just not a good place to be. So I say all the time, this is given to you, choose it, which means you're choosing yourself. You are choosing yourself. A lot of people make choices of their own volition. They'll say, I'm going to go run a marathon. I'm going to go um, do a triathlon or I'm going to go become this or that. And you're thinking, oh, oh, I would never choose that for myself. Ooh, 
<laughs> right? <laughs> and then sometimes we choose things that other people are like, ew, I would hate that. And then sometimes things just come to us. Like maybe you have a disabled child. Wow, you didn't choose that. They didn't choose it, right? And so there is power in choosing what you're given. There is power in accepting it. And I say this for any attribute you want. Choose to be patient. Go and discover what that's like. Go and do it for you. Choose to be faithful. See what happens. Go and do it. Don't wait to be compelled. Don't wait for the choice to come back to you, right? Mm -hmm. To be chosen for those type of development of the attributes. Go and choose them. Just like any situation that is just out of our control. And again, when you feel out of control, remember, you always, always, always have control over your decisions. So you do have control. There's so many decisions. And so that's a lot of work I do is clarifying decisions, decision making, decision decisions. Yeah. So I can see myself getting in a place where I may choose divorce. But in the back of my head, I feel like there's blame. Yes. So how how do you help women kind mm-hmm. of come to terms with getting rid of the blame? So how do you hear any voice louder than the other? In general, let's say you're at a party. Someone's trying to talk to you. Many people are talking. How do you hear one voice over the other? Get closer. What else? Lean in. Yes, I love lean in. I love that phrase lately. What else? Tune out. Tune out the rest. Tune out. Yeah, that's what I was. Tune out. What else? Tune in to one. Tune in. You're turning the channel to the right channel. And again, that's a lot of anchoring. That's a lot of identity, who you are. And habit. You have, you are in a habit of listening to that voice. This is habit. This is neurons that fire together, wire together. There has to be an unwiring. You have to put into practice how to listen to yourself. And so all those things, you guys answered it. I was just going to say, it's easier said than done. Because <laughs> there's a lot it going is. on. <laughs> it is. That's why it has to be actionable. It has to be reinforced, not just in the mind. It has to be said out loud. Even I'll tell my clients, I'm like, talk out loud what you're doing the hard things. Talk out loud. Let yourself hear it. Let yourself hear the true statements. We have all the, oh, the shame and the, the, I'm ugly and I'm not good enough. And I just can't do this. And we have that self-critic that's part of ourselves. So, you know, as we build the core, we can say, oh, I love you, but you need to shut up for a little bit, you know, whatever. (laughs) And so like doing all of that, as well as training yourself to take action, saying it out loud, hearing yourself makes you believe yourself. Doing it even reinforces it even more. So now you've thought it in your mind, you've said it out loud, you've listened to yourself, and then you saw yourself do it. Then you can reaffirm all those three. I love that. Maybe this is repeating something, but there are these conflicting voices, right? That our audience is facing. You have 
you have this situation where you're trying to work recovery and you're hoping that your husband is going to work recovery. Mm. And you come to this spot where you've come to a place in your recovery and he's not quite there. Mm -hmm. And you're standing, like we said, at the door of divorce and you're saying there are all these ifs. I think the right choice is divorce. But what if he's able to get there? What if he does change? What if he does get there? And then I've stepped too far to go back. There are those kind of thoughts too. So how would you, how would you talk through that with somebody who's kind of standing at the door saying, I think that this is my desire. This is what I'm desiring right now. Mm -hmm. But what if, what if he can do it? Because he can do these things sometimes, but then, but then he can't other times we're, we're still in this abusive cycle. So in decision-making, I do uh, options, evaluation, and consequences, OEC. And so I would put all of those options down, all of those options. And then I would evaluate each one. And then I'd say, okay, consequences. What are the consequences of doing this? So you're not married. You could lose him. You could then in five years, he could be better, (laughs) right? And then you could be feeling, wow, what did I do if I would have just waited five more years or, or this or that? There's so many nuances and leverage points of what you want or not want, but I would just be leveraging it out. Sometimes when things are written on paper, it helps people be clear. And when they have that confirmation, you just go forward. I know that's kind of broad in general. Everything is so individualized that those decisions are hard. Let's just face it. Like that's just, these are tough decisions. It's very, very hard to walk away and let go. Another question I'd ask is, would you be okay if everything was the same as it is now in five years? Have them step into the future, have them feel it, feeling the emotions of, oh, he hasn't changed. It's all the same. This sucks. And yeah, (laughs) right. So when we kind of step into those scenarios, it helps decision making a little bit more. And then just, gosh, a lot of faith, a lot of prayers and a lot of your core self and what you truly, truly want and deserve in your life. That's a hard one. I'm sorry that I don't have like a definitive. It's complicated for sure. It is. It -hmm. is. And I, my heart goes out to everybody who's in that situation. I've been there and it's just hard, but I will say that there's so much to look forward to. The other side of that type of decision is not as bleak as you think it to be. And if you do decide to go forward with that decision of letting go, divorcing, and even staying, you can create things. You can create happiness. You can create strength in yourself and and fulfill your own desires in that frame. You can find it and you could do that in that context too. Well, let's talk a little bit about that then. You know, what that looks like. Mm -hmm. If you, if you decide to stay, you you have to come to some realization. As I reflect on my own situation, I would need to not expect anything more in a marriage than I have right now. Yeah, that's what you have to be okay with. So how would you help 
or how would I go forward wanting to stay in that marriage, accepting that perhaps it's not going to be progressing? There's this other person in the marriage Mm -hmm. that doesn't allow that to happen. I don't know that that would ever be possible. So how does Mm -hmm. a woman create a life for herself if she wants to stay married? It's difficult because, because how you are thinking is still in the frame of I'm giving something up. Yes. Yes, it is. So how do I need to reframe that? <laughs> you have to be careful with that because if you truly feel like you're living in a state where you're giving something up, it's not going to work. Okay. So you have to go into, this is completely what I will accept and finding autonomy, I think is where a good start would be his own journey versus your own journey building from that and then seeing where you do match up, where you can have fun, where you can unite as small as those little things would be. I would start there. So how do we love a spouse with no expectation? If you can do that, I right? Some people cannot. We always say, oh, suffering is when you have expectations. Shakespeare (laughs) said it or something. I don't know who said it, but I've said it. I've heard it a lot. You get rid of the expectations, then you'll have less suffering, which is true. But I'm sorry, there's certain standards and values that you want. You'd have to hold those for yourself and not hold those for him and live in a way where you could do that. Does that make sense? autonomously and not be so worried about their progression. In fact, drop it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how women can do it. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen some. It makes sense what you're saying. And at the same time, it's something for me, for myself, that's not something that I would be willing to do. Can't do it. Yeah. I I feel like that comes back to self-betrayal almost of what we desire. We have two conflicting desires. We desire to stay married, but we also desire a type of marriage that is fulfilling. And our idea and and what we know about what we want in a fulfilling marriage is not being met in this marriage that we currently have. Yes. And I, I think you're right. I think it takes a lot of really hard introspection to come to terms with the decision that needs to be made Mm -hmm. and to make it with full understanding of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I've seen this in caretaking situations where maybe the husband got in an accident and is now disabled. We can't walk like we're talking. So how, how do you figure that out? And that's different. Everything, every individual marriage is different, but there, there's a space there to be happy. I truly believe there's a space there if you can let go. Like Naomi said, if you can get to a place where you, but you have to believe it. You have to believe you're not giving anything up. There's empowerment in making the choice. Like I said before, it's like, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you and me. And how we're going to work this out, I think would take a lot of communication And a lot of just saying, hey, I'm letting go of this. Hey, I'm not doing this anymore. Like legit letting go and being okay with that standard for him. Yeah. And having your own standards. 
but then again, being able to have common standards in between. Yeah. I think we also have to remember in situations of abuse that it's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different. different. And I think in this realm, or at least this audience, there is often abuse. And so if you're listening right now and you're in this situation, just remember that this kind of talk is about a healthy relationship. And these situations often that we're in with our abusive is a very different decision-making process. So yes. Thank you for differentiating that because we're talking about desires a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but in an abusive situation, you have been trained into putting your fire out, your desire out. Um, yeah. this is, that is completely different and that is not your fault. And so discovering that and bringing that out, that, that will take some work, but you can do it. Basically, what I'm talking about is just a, your general wants and desires. I think it's healthy, too, in, in an abusive frame to look at that and say, you know what? I'm no longer okay with that. That's not okay. Yeah. And, and standing forth and, and rebuilding yourself. Yeah, I agree. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add to this divorce discussion? <laughs> anything you would love our audience to know before we wrap up here? You know, kind of what I said before is it's not as bleak as you may think. It really isn't. It's hard. And sometimes it gets harder before it gets easier. I remember right after I was divorced and I had this new job and moved up to Utah, I called my dad and I was just crying. And I was like, dad, it was easier to be married to a And I kind of labeled him and my dad just said, sometimes the easiest things are not the best things. And it Mm -hmm. just was what I needed to hear. And then you guys, I'm telling you just within a few months, things get better when you're surrounded by support, family, friends, get yourself out there. Don't divorce yourself. I say that choose you get out, force yourself to get out, be social, connect to people in different ways. And if you have kids connect with them, that, that was the beautiful part. I'll tell you, there's a difference. When I was a single mom, oh my gosh, I just connected so much to my, my child. Not that I don't with my other kids, but there's a difference. I just valued the time I had with her so much. There's beautiful gifts that's a beautiful, rich, rich life that you can make for yourself. And that is there for you. And there's blessings you just didn't even imagine that will happen. I didn't imagine what I was going to step into. So please stay positive and, and keep that look outside of the box. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom. And if you want to find Emily, you can again, find her on Facebook, Instagram, Apple podcast. You can find her under the title LDS divorce coach. She's incredible. And if you're in this place, I hope that you will be able to reach out and, and get support from her and others. So 
Thank you again, Emily. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks for joining us this week on Healing with Worth. Make sure to visit our website, healingwithworth.org, if you would like to enroll in an online therapist-led support group. We'll see you next time.